chapter six of concerning isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. concerning isabel carnaby by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter six esdale court their ways were ways of pleasant grace they toiled not neither did they spin but since their smiles made glad the place dare men of sterner cast of face account such carelessness a sin it was on a sunny september afternoon that paul seaton first saw esdale court and the mellowed elizabethan house with its stately avenues and large lake was very pleasant to look upon in the autumn sunlight on his arrival he was ushered by a stout and pompous butler into the drawing-room where lady estale was taking tea with her son and daughter aged respectively nine and fourteen lady estale had been a great beauty in her day and at eight and thirty was still a lovely woman how do you do mr beaton she began how nice of you to come just in time for tea violet and dick are having tea with me to-day for a treat but they generally have it in the schoolroom don't you know come children this is mr beaton who is so kind as to come and teach dick violet who inherited her mother's beauty treated the new tutor to a supercilious little nod but dick a plain and wholesome little boy thrust a sticky and jam-besprinkled palm into paul's outstretched hand i say said dick i've been out shooting with father to-day have you replied paul with polite interest i hope you have had good sport dick shook his little red head we had bad luck he said shocking bad luck only four brace and a couple of hairs all day but father let me carry the birds home and i got my clothes covered with blood he added more cheerfully as dick has been out all day and walked so far i am letting him have an egg with his tea said lady estale and he insists upon eating bread and jam with it i wish he wouldn't do you think it will make him ill i cannot say it is not a combination that would suit me but other times other manners you know lady estale what a fuss you make about a chap mother exclaimed dick with scorn i'm all right and feel as fit as a fiddle but it is enough to make a fellow sick to hear you talking so much about whether things are good for us or not very well darling but promise me you will leave off eating jam with your egg the minute you begin to feel not quite well and oh mr seabright i was forgetting all about you and you have had such a long journey and must want your tea dreadfully how stupid i am not at all the journey from chaford is quite a short one really only there are so many changes it makes it rather troublesome i know i hate changes don't you just when you've got your things all about the carriage and are settling yourself down to a nice book a horrid guard or porter or something comes shouting at you and makes you jump out of your carriage and leave half your things behind and my maid never will help at stations because she hates travelling and is offended with me every time i take her from home she says the train makes her giddy or something and you see i can't go without her because i couldn't do my own hair to save my life i suppose not said paul feeling very much amused by her ladyship's flow of conversation 
and there i have gone and forgotten your tea again how careless i am i am afraid this tea is not very fresh mr seabright in fact it has stood for over an hour but simmons that is the butler is so dreadfully offended if i send out for fresh tea to be made during the afternoon that i really dare not do it you won't mind much will you if it is rather strong and cold paul smiled and forsook the paths of rectitude so far as to assure her ladyship that tea on the lees was the beverage he fancied above all others oh how dear of you to say that and you can have as much hot water as you like though the hot water is cold too but it will take off the bitter taste which makes the special nastiness of old tea is it very bad now you come to drink it asked lady Estale with sympathetic interest paul lied bravely it is delicious i am so glad it really is tiresome having a butler who takes offence if you ask him to do anything it must make life very difficult lady Estale. it does very difficult indeed i often don't get enough to eat because i daren't ask for more when simmons is carving but i make up with vegetables because the footmen hand them and i'm not afraid of a footman still vegetables without meat are very fattening don't you think and the dread of my life is to get fat i don't think that any woman looks well when she is fat do you i really don't know answered paul who had hitherto lived among women who cared for none of these things i'm afraid i never thought about it how quaint of you but you are awfully clever you see and so never think about anything but books and sums and things now i'm not a bit clever or learned or anything paul again wandered from the path of the upright by expressing polite surprise at this platitude have another cup of tea do begged lady Estale. if you don't i shall know you told a story about its not tasting as bad as we expected and paul was so charmed by her ladyship's beauty and good-nature that he asked for another cup and swallowed the same without wincing nevertheless he possessed the spirit of a philanthropist so he remarked there is a sort of arrangement i've seen somewhere of putting the tea-leaves into a little bag and pouring the hot water over them then the leaves are removed so that however long the tea stands it never gets any stronger what a lovely idea and it would be such fun taking the tea-leaves out again while they were all wet it would make a jolly mess i bet agreed dick enthusiastically you'd always let me do it wouldn't you mother of course darling if you would promise to take care not to burn your fingers i'd make a fine splash all over the cloth chuckled dick what a dirty boy you are said violet reprovingly dick did not reply to his sister in words but he turned upon her such a wilfully contorted countenance that violet dissolved into laughter but i'm afraid simmons wouldn't approve of that arrangement sighed lady Estale. he always sets his face against anything fresh i remember once sir richard bought a new kind of carving-knife a patent masticator i think it was called or some such disgusting name and simmons said he would give notice rather than demean himself by using it he had carved for the family for thirty years he said and his own right hand had been enough all that time and would be till the end it wasn't true because he had always used a carving-knife of some sort but simmons is quite poetical when he is excited what did sir richard do asked paul oh he roared with laughter and threw the thing behind the fire to tell the truth i believe richard is as much afraid of simmons as i am but he'd rather die than own it paul very soon settled down in his new quarters at Estale court 
he liked the place and the people the latter were so different from everything that he had been accustomed to that they completely fascinated him their wheels were all well oiled and so they took life easily and never seemed to look below the surface of things and yet they did their duty in the state of life to which they were called and they were high-minded and upright and well-bred and were careful to act honourably and charitably towards their neighbours and to go to the parish church regularly once every sunday they never talked about their hearts or their souls or their consciences but ate and drank and were merry and made the corner of the earth where their lot was cast a better place for their being in it sir richard s dale was a typical fox-hunting english squire a good many years older than his beautiful wife of whom he was intensely proud he and paul got on very well together though they had nothing in common save their mutual respect and admiration as for little dick he at once began to adore paul and appointed his tutor his final court of appeal in all things and paul grew very fond of dick and was a better man for it i suppose dick will go into the army when he grows up said paul to lady estelle one day i suppose so if he can get through those silly tiresome examinations and if he does i do hope he'll go into a regiment where there is a pretty uniform a blue one would be best for him with his red hair i don't like scarlet with red hair do you mr seaton lady estelle had mastered paul's name by this time paul laughed i don't think it matters to a man what colour his clothes are don't you no do you oh yes dreadfully i always adore to see men in dark blue think how nice a blue serge morning suit looks on a man and how sweet sailors always are of course a pink coat looks jolly for hunting but i don't like red uniforms half as well as blue ones especially for fair hair lady estelle's way of looking at life was a source of never-ending amusement to paul she always seemed to be gazing at the world through the wrong end of a telescope and paul was not as severe on frivolity as he had been in the days when he so ruthlessly passed sentence on alice he was becoming more a man of the world and consequently more sympathetic with and tender towards human nature for life teaches a man more than all the universities rolled in one i've just had such a fright lady estelle confided to her son's tutor when the latter had been about a year at estelle what is the matter can i assist in any way asked paul who was the help of the family in all difficulties from the writing of french menus to the letting of cats out of traps i was afraid isabel carnaby was coming to live with us but who is isabel carnaby i fear i cannot gauge the extent of your anxiety till i know who the lady is oh i thought everybody knew isabel she is my husband's niece he had two sisters lady farley and mrs carnaby isabel was the carnaby's only child and mrs carnaby died when she was born it was a pity mrs carnaby died she had such lovely blue eyes and such a knack of knowing what suited her she was the best-dressed woman i ever met and major carnaby was devoted to her is major carnaby dead asked paul yes he died out in india while isabel was still a child and she has lived with the farleys ever since she is fairly well off and her father left word in his will that when she was of age she must decide whether to live with the farleys or with us as both sir benjamin and my husband were ready to take her for her mother's sake she has just come of age and i was dreadfully afraid she would decide to come to us 
and you wouldn't have liked it no i hate girls of that age they always say you are getting stout and that your hair isn't all your own paul concealed a smile did she give the apple to sir benjamin he inquired yes to my great relief sir benjamin has got a governorship out in india so isabel has chosen to go on living with them she is just the sort of girl to like being with excellencies and all that sort of thing what is miss carnaby like is she pretty oh no not pretty but smart and stylish and knows how to put her clothes on and she is dreadfully clever she positively terrified me the last time she was over in england what sort of cleverness does she write books asked paul who was always interested in literary ventures good gracious no not so bad as that replied lady estale looking shocked but she reads a good deal and says sharp things and you never know whether she is laughing at you or not she makes me quite nervous i don't like that sort of sharpness especially in a woman no more do i and then isabel is so abominably vain and i don't see anything to be conceited about in mere cleverness do you it isn't as if she were pretty still even clever people are sometimes conceited lady estale oh of course cleverness in a man is awfully nice and quite a thing to be conceited about owned her ladyship graciously i can't tell you how much my husband and i admire your cleverness nor how thankful we are for dick to have the advantage of it but i don't think it is quite the thing for a girl do you prettiness is so much more important i suppose beauty is the best gift for a woman to possess said paul but there are clever women and clever women and miss carnaby seems from your description to be exactly the sort of clever woman that i specially detest lady estale shook her head men don't generally detest her she confessed she is a man's woman out and out and she is a woman's woman too she added she really can make herself awfully pleasant if she likes and she has a wonderful knack of getting on with anybody she is simply splendid if you have got a lot of dull people in hand there is nobody she cannot talk to i believe if she met the man in the moon she would find out that he and she had a lot of mutual acquaintances even if they weren't related to one another then she has her good points yes it seems to me that the great question everybody is asking everybody else is do you know the so-and-sos if you do know them the conversation flourishes and if you don't it drops the so-and-sos are really far more important as a conversational opening than the weather i always think it rather bourgeois to talk about the weather don't you it certainly is a hackneyed subject owned paul well isabel invariably does know the so-and-sos and therefore socially she is a success take her to the dreariest tea-party and in five minutes there is a buzz of conversation then she is popular i presume and therefore spoiled i don't generally like what are termed popular people i am afraid to a certain extent she is popular said lady estale grudgingly that is to say she has always crowds of men fluttering round her sir richard expects that she will make a brilliant marriage out in india but i'm not so sure the clever women may get the most partners but it is the handsome ones that make the best matches well anyway i'm very glad she is not coming here oh i dare say you'd have got on with her all right you and she could have talked about books and things don't you know paul smiled but there are other things to be talked about besides books lady estale 
yes but some people find books awfully interesting i should myself if they didn't always send me to sleep before i had properly got into them and paul smiled again so isabel carnaby did not come to estelle court just then and paul went on with his teaching of dick and made wonderful progress considering the raw material out of which he was expected to manufacture a scholar he also tried his hand at literature and earned an additional hundred a year by his contributions to magazines whereby life at the cottage at chaford was made considerably easier than it would otherwise have been at chaford things went on much the same as usual edgar continued to woo alice in silence and consequently in vain but he comforted himself by the idea that as she grew older and found how false and fickle the world is she would learn the value of one faithful heart that would never fail her however unworthy she might prove herself to be as for her her mind was still full of thoughts of paul he was not on the spot it is true as edgar was but he came home every holidays and it takes an exceptionally clever woman to forget a man in three months even when she has another man to help her End of chapter six